Forgotten Quarterbacks, hosted by W. Earl Kitchings. Our podcast is dedicated to preserving the legacies of black quarterbacks who've played the game of American football. And now, here's your host, W. Earl Kitchings. And hello to everyone. Once again, we invite you to join us as the Forgotten Quarterbacks podcast takes stage as we are ready to give you some additional information about these men who have legacies in the sport of football, specifically college football, who have gone on to do some outstanding things. And the point of our podcast, as it is with our mission with Quarterfied Back Awards, is to make sure that the legacies of these men, these black men who have played this position, the iconic position of quarterback, will never, ever, ever be forgotten. Not just in words that you read on paper. Uh, There haven't been many documentaries about them And of course, there definitely haven't been any movies about them. But in our efforts, based on the book, The Forgotten QBs, which was published over a year ago, came out with that book to make sure that this legacy does not die an untimely death or just die because no one cared about it. We are going to continue our mission to push forward to make sure that by our podcast, by our website, uh, quarterfiedback.com by our newsletter that we started the post route which each week that newsletter brings you some specific information about quarterbacks who have played the game a little bit more than what the book does uh, it spins off from the book but in putting this newsletter together and breaking it down uh, as we go forward over the next few months leading into the 2023 football season, talking about the legacies of the guys who played quarterback at predominantly white colleges for the most part, to know who they are, to know when they played, to know what they did, Each one of them had their own set of circumstances and challenges to face and overcome. And irregardless of those challenges that they faced, that they overcame, they are still not recognized in the way they need to be. So that is our mission here at the Forgotten Quarterbacks podcast. And that is our mission of the Quarterfied Back Awards. And we are the only organization that has published something in book form like this, but we're the only organization that are now recognizing and awarding the top quarterback from a black college and the top black quarterback at the high school level throughout this nation. All of these young men have legacies and whether they can take it to the next level from college, from high school to college, from college to the pros. It doesn't matter because we're going to document and recognize them 
wherever they are, whoever they are. And we're only going to grow our mission exponentially because there's so much to talk about. There's so much history to talk about. And we're hoping that if you are a listener to this podcast, you tell somebody about the Forgotten Quarterbacks podcast and our website, quarterfybacks.com, so you can keep up with what we're doing. And we welcome anyone bringing us any information about a quarterback we may not highlight or we may not be aware of. We're not saying we know everything about this. Uh, We are interested in knowing things we do not know. We're interested in finding about people we have not heard about. And we just want to continue to make sure that we press forward and keep our eye on the prize of recognizing all these men and all these young men who are up and coming because this next generation of quarterbacks who are coming out of high school and moving on to college, they are prototypical, many of them, of what the pros say they want, being a Six foot two, six foot four, six foot five guy who can read defenses, has a great arm, great touch, and is very intelligent. And when we talk about the fact that an aptitude test was given to quarterbacks who came from black colleges predominantly to see if they could disqualify them. Notice I didn't say qualify them. The aptitude test was not to qualify them. It was to disqualify them from even thinking about becoming a quarterback at the professional level. But those days have changed, and I'm so happy that they have. And as we go forward, we just want to bring you all the information that we can. So tonight or today, what we're going to do is bring you something from one of our newsletters and it is the legacy of black quarterbacks from the university of Minnesota and the university of Minnesota, like a few other big 10 schools embraced black athletes, black football players. And you may be thinking, well, I can't remember any, But please note that one of the greatest sprinters to ever run track in America was Jesse Owens. And Jesse Owens attended Ohio State University back in the 30s. Just to show you where some of these legacies come from. Jesse Owens won gold medals at the Olympics that were held in Germany back in the 30s. But he's a graduate of Ohio State University and the track at Ohio State University where the football stadium is located is the Jesse Owens track. But we're going to talk about Minnesota today, the Golden Gophers, then one of those cold states. And their legacy begins with a guy by the name of Sandy Stevens, who came to Minnesota from Uniontown, Pennsylvania. High expectations you know, you when you play a certain position for so long, you're not looking forward to having to change your position, especially way out of position. Uh, and a lot of times, black quarterbacks have been transitioned from quarterbacking to defensive backs or wide receiver. But Sandy Stevenson came out of Uniontown, Pennsylvania, 
and became the first black quarterback at the University of Minnesota up in Minneapolis. And this happened in 1959. He was the first black quarterback there to earn all American honors. Now, if you know anything about the award system, it's one thing to earn all conference. It's another thing to earn all American. That means you are damn good. So he earned that and then he helped win a Big Ten title for Minnesota, took them to the Rose Bowl two consecutive years. And in 1960, the only national championship, well, I won't say the only, but in 1960 led them to a national championship with a 21-3 defeat over UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Sandy Stevens. Now, Stevens participated and played against a gentleman uh, by the name of Burt Hollis. Burt Hollis played at Iowa. And at one time when they played each other, it was the first time ever that two black starting quarterbacks played each other in a college football game anywhere in America. Iowa, Minnesota played each other. And these two young men were the quarterbacks, Burt Hollis and Sandy Stevens. And they played a phenomenal game. They had a great game. And, of course, many of you may not know the history of this particular duo, but they were outstanding. And I'm sorry, not Bert Hollis, but Wilbur, Wilbur Hollis. He played from 1959 to 61 at Iowa. He was an All-American selection. First black quarterback to play at the University of Iowa. And he took them to the Big Ten Championship as a junior. So he and Sandy Stevens faced off for the Big Ten Championship. And Sandy Stevens led Minnesota to the championship. But Wilburn, Hollis, Sandy Stevens, in Big Ten lore, they are known pretty much as the first black quarterbacks to ever play against one another. Then in 1967, Sandy's brother Ray followed him to Minnesota. Now, Sandy was probably about a six foot, six foot one guy at the most. His brother was 6'4, 215 pounds. And in 1967, that's a prototypical, that's the kind of quarterback you want standing under the center and standing in the pocket. He was the body type. However, he just was not able to make his way into being one of the top quarterbacks at the University of Minnesota during his time. Following Ray Stevens, about the same time, a highly recruited quarterback from Coral Gables, Florida, which is near Miami, named Craig Curry. And I happened to see Craig Curry in one of the state championship games when he came to Jacksonville and played against Wolfson High School here in Jacksonville for the state championship of Florida at the highest state level. Uh, he was a two-time state champion. He led Coral Gables to back-to-back state championships. He committed to Miami at first, but then he chose Minnesota after he received death threats down in Miami. So why stay in Miami, which is your hometown? Everybody knows you. That would have been a great fit. But because, you know, and, and the sad part about it is 
Coral Gables was a predominantly white high school. Now, I'm sure those people who celebrated those two back-to-back state championships celebrated that, but you send him death threats because you don't want him to play at the University of Miami. So anyway, he changed his mind and went to the University of Minnesota, passed for over 3,000 yards and 16 touchdowns while he was there, and was drafted by the Miami Dolphins in 1972. So he eventually did come back to Miami. How ironic. You didn't want him when he was leaving high school, but he came back to Miami anyway. So that was Craig Curry. Now, the next guy is probably a name that many, many, many of you recognize and know, but may not know that in college he was a quarterback. And I'm speaking of the first black coach to win a Super Bowl, and that was Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy was an all-state performer from Parkside High School in Jackson, Michigan. He went to the University of Minnesota. He was voted the MVP of the team in 75 and 76. In his senior season, he earned all-conference selection and was awarded the Big Ten Medal of Honor for his academic and athletic excellence. Tony Dungy, as you know, went on to play in a supporting role uh, for the for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers as a defensive back, not as a quarterback, but as a defensive back. But he was a quarterback at the University of Minnesota. Following Tony, I'm sorry, yeah, following Tony, Wendell Avery became the starter in '77, and uh, he compiled a 75 record. Then in 1984, Ricky Fogey came to Minnesota, and after a one in ten season, he helped turn them around to the next year they went seven and five, upset Michigan in Al- in Arbor uh, in the nineteen eighty six season. And that was something they hadn't done in nine years. Minnesota is not one of the powers of the Big Ten as they maybe once were. And he was voted all ten Big Ten selection in nineteen eighty seven. And then Markel Fleetwood came to the Golden Gophers in the nineties. Abdul Khalik came in uh, early 2000, and Marquise Gray had a brief career at Minnesota in 2011-2012. So let me just give you the rundown of these guys once again. From 1959, when Sandy Stevens came to Minnesota, he was there for three years. His career record was 18-11, finished with a, right at about 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. Uh, We did not have any stats on Ray Stevens. Craig Curry came, 3,000 yards, 16 touchdowns, had an 8-7-3 record. Tony Dungeon threw for 3,500-plus yards, 25 touchdowns. Um, Record was not so good, but his passing was on point. He uh, finished with an 11-18-2 record. Then Wendell Avery was two years there. Not a whole lot of passing yards, 591, three touchdowns. Ricky Fogey. I'm sorry, Reggie Fogey, 5,162 yards, 34 touchdowns. Uh, basically had a 500 career record at 23 and 23. Marquel Fleetwood, 5,279 yards, 18 touchdowns. Assad Abdul Khalik, 6,660 yards and 55 touchdowns. So he definitely could toss that ball around. Wonder why you never heard him in. His name in the NFL? Good question. Do some research, find out about it, and uh, call us up and give us the information. And then finally, Marquis C. Gray, 
uh, 2,000 yards, uh, 14 touchdowns. But these are the men that played football at the University of Minnesota. Nine of them played football at the University of Minnesota. And because they stood in the gap, because they decided to go Minnesota. Imagine Craig Curry living in Miami, Florida, living in Miami, Florida, and you transition all the way to Minnesota. What kind of wake-up call is that? Just from the weather, that should have been a wake-up call because, trust me, there's some cold times up in Minnesota. Now, they may not have played into those December times where it got cold, but I guarantee you in October and November, when that element changed up there, it was pretty cold up there. So you go from playing in 80-degree weather to playing in 30-degree weather. That's a big change and still be successful. So the guys who played in the early 60s, Sandy Stevens, late 60s, Craig Curry, early 70s, Tony Dungy, they are truly legacy holders because for them to do what they did, perform the way they did, was remarkable. And for other quarterbacks to come behind them and stake their claim and put their mark down for the Golden Gophers, it just goes to show you that these men who play this iconic position of quarterback have definitely done some remarkable things. And dating back to the 1959 for Minnesota, dating back a little bit further, and we're going to talk about the black quarterbacks who played at Michigan State University. And, you know, we got to talk about that great Willie the Pro Thrower guy. But Minnesota and the Golden Gophers, you should be proud to have these young men who have graced your campus, represent your school, have done themselves proud. I'm sure they've gone on to have a great professional careers wherever they are. Of course, Mr. Stevens and Mr. Hollis are pretty much retired now. Uh, but still, hats off to all the quarterbacks from Minnesota who played that position and did a phenomenal job because a lot of times these quarterbacks had to leave the South to go up North because they weren't going to be afforded any opportunity, let alone be afforded an opportunity to, to make a roster spot. And these are the, some of the things that we have to keep in mind because it was not until the late 60s, early 70s that you saw black quarterbacks starting to play at schools in the SEC and the ACC and the Southwest uh, Conference, uh, which is now part of the Big 12. They weren't going to get opportunities to be the iconic player. And if they did make the team, coaches are already looking at wanting to convert them as quickly as they could. And I, I just find it so interesting that having lived in a, in a time of, of high school in the early 70s and having a teammate become the first quarterback at the University of Florida uh, said a lot, said a lot. And because of that, uh, we will be talking about the 
black quarterback legacies at the University of Florida. But we're going to cover as many of these colleges as possible and give you the legacies of these programs. Uh, Some won't have as many as others. Uh, I'll tell you now that you're going to be surprised to know how many black quarterbacks have played at Auburn, have played at Georgia Tech, uh, perhaps even Georgia. And it's just phenomenal to, to know that they've made their history mark. And they definitely won't ever be forgotten as long as quarter five back is around and we continue to do this podcast for the forgotten quarterbacks. So we ask that you go to our website at quarter five PHI, like a fraternity, quarter five back.com. Log on. And on that site, you can go to the menu. And when you go to the menu, you'll find out how you can order a copy of the book, The Forgotten QBs. And it details with short bios and other statistical data from black quarterbacks who've played at both black colleges and predominantly white colleges since 1903. And we... We believe that this book uh, definitely is valid and worthy of what we've done with it. It's been cited as being called a Bible of sorts for black quarterbacks. And there are, you know, you can go on the Internet to Wikipedia and maybe a couple of other sources and read one by one if you know the names of these guys. But now you don't have to search. You can just look, pick up this book and, you know, read for yourself and look for yourself and see what they did. And But nobody is doing it as compactually and concisely as we are. And that's what makes what we're doing special because we, as they say, save you all the time and effort from looking. You don't have to run around the Internet looking up this name or that name, this school or that school. You get this book and I guarantee you you'll be happy to have it in your book collection. So again, you can go to our website at quarter five back quarter five PHI back.com go online and click on the menu icon to find how you can order the book. You can also read our weekly newsletter, the post route and keep up with some of the information that we're providing. And also We are looking forward to the 2023 season when we will select our second annual awardees for the BIP Memorial Trophy. And the BIP Memorial Trophy is named after former college football quarterback and high school legend Oliver BIP Joyce, Matthew W. Gilbert High School, Jacksonville, Florida, Florida A&M University, Tallahassee, Florida, all-state performer, Led his team to the first ever state championship for black high schools in the state of Florida. Had his career tragically ended in his freshman year at Florida A&M when he got his neck broken and never recovered. But we named it in honor of him because had he had an opportunity, he would definitely have been one of those guys under Coach Jake Gaither to mark himself in the records of the FAMU football history books. So those are the three things that we are providing and we will continue to go forward with our shows, our information and 
I know some of you may be asking, well, Earl, are you going to have um, the second volume of the Forgotten QBs that goes from 1993 to, to the present? I would have to say yes, but I can't tell you when. I, I do plan on doing that because that book would probably be a lot more extensive than what I have now, simply because more quarterbacks have shown up and there's more to talk about. But all of these guys need their stories told. And as we delve into these high school guys, we are now approaching a situation where we can start talking about starting with this past season of 2022, uh, some of the best high school quarterbacks that grace the gridiron and start cataloging them in a history fashion so that we can talk about them going forward. So that's who we are here at Quarterfied Back. The Forgotten Quarterbacks is our podcast. And again, we thank you for joining us. And if you like what you hear, tell somebody. If you want more information, go to our website. You can email us at quarterfiedback at yahoo.com if you have a question, if you want to get a copy of the book, however you need to do it. But make sure you put us in your podcast library or your podcast uh, on your phone as a favorite so you can find out what's going on in the world of black quarterbacks on a weekly basis. That's going to do it for me today. For my director and producer and my IT guy, Mr. Deterion Sturgill, I'm Earl Kitching saying until next time, go for the bomb. Talk to you later. Thank you for joining us here on the Forgotten Quarterbacks with host W. Earl Kitching. Join us as we discuss more about the legacies of black quarterbacks who've played the game of American football. 